Let's turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. It's an encouraging truth that Jesus revealed to his church. The last portion of chapter 7, Gospel of Mark. It's been very encouraging, especially for missionaries like us and for all of you too who are called by the name of God. No matter how dark our circumstances are or, or how stuck we are, you see in this word, words of God, that Christ is truly amazing, truly astonishing. So, Gospel of Mark chapter 7, verse 30, 31 to 37. Again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. There brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hand on him. Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephata, that is, be open. And his ears were open, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began speaking plainly. And he gave them orders not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. So in this passage, we are going to behold our Savior, our excellent Christ who does all things well. We're going to see him as who he is. As we look at this passage, three wonderful acts of Jesus Christ just shine through this passage to help us trust him. No matter what situation you are in, no matter how stuck you are, you can see his faithfulness. So we are considering three amazing acts or deeds of Jesus Christ that will help us trust Him and praise Him wherever we are. So the first wonderful acts, the first amazing deed is, you know, they're all E's. The first one is embrace, embrace. Jesus embraces the outcast. That's right in this passage. Jesus embraces the outcast. Let's look at the background given by Mark verse 31. Again, he went out from the region of Tyre, came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. That is the background given right here. So Jesus has been 
preaching the gospel. That is from the beginning of Mark, right? When Christ was commissioned by the Father, the words come out of his mouth. The first sermon that he preached in gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 14, 15, is the gospel of the kingdom of God, calling people to repent, to believe in the gospel. And here you see Christ is not only proclaiming the gospel to the Jews, here he is reaching out to the unreached. He is going to the heart of paganism. As you see here, the region of Tyre, these are all pagan region. And came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. Decapolis, literal translation is 10 cities, 10 Gentile cities, 10 pagan dark places. And Christ stands in the heart of paganism. And here you see the unreached, they're all there. So it's so encouraging as we think about reaching the unreached. Christ can reach them, no matter how unreachable they are. And here you see Christ embrace the outcasts of all outcasts. You know, to the Jews, they will not step into this unclean place. If you know, in chapter 5, Christ went there and delivered a demon-possessed man there's a Gentile place, and there are a lot of pigs, and Jews will not come close to unclean pigs. They will not even touch any of the unclean, sinful Gentiles. But Christ stands in the midst of them on purpose. He could have returned to... Uh, his headquarter, Capernaum, but he chose to go to this place to reach the unreachable, to embrace the outcasts of all outcasts. And you see in this situation right here, the situation. So verse 32, they brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty and they implored him to lay his hand on him. So that's the situation. What's going on is this. They, unidentified, most likely the friends, Gentile friends, of this deaf and mute man, they brought him to Jesus, asking Jesus to lay his hand on him. That is what's going on. Some kind souls heard about Christ and of course uh, the proclamation of Christ by the demon-possessed man whom Christ delivered in chapter 5. And you read chapter 5, he proclaimed Christ in the region of Decapolis. So this man heard of Christ and they look at this Man, this outcast, deaf and dumb. At that time, 
anyone with physical disability will have a hard time to fit in. And this one is hard because he can communicate. He can hear and he can hardly speak. Have you experienced people with this disability? Is it easy to relate to? Is it easy, is it easy to talk to? It is hard. You don't know what's going on and he can express, he can talk. Most likely, people would just shun him. People will see him coming and will turn the other direction. They're now cast. These kind souls brought him to Jesus. They brought to Jesus the outcast of all outcasts, right? In the Gentile unclean place. The Jews would not even carry the dirt of the Gentile land back to Israel. They will shake off the dirt of their feet when they enter holy land. So the Jews will hate these unclean people, but Christ stands in the midst of them. That tells us the heart of Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only for the Jews, for Gentiles too, especially Mark writing this gospel for Gentiles in Rome. So Christ embraces this outcast. And it is a personal embrace. You see right there is a very personal embrace. They brought him to Jesus, implore him to lay his hand on him. The word implore in the Greek, it can be translated as begging urgently. So that tells you this man is in an urgent situation. And you also see him, he is passive. Somebody had to bring him to Jesus. He's passive, probably at the point of uh, giving up hope. Tried many things to no avail. And probably going to do something dangerous or deadly. So kind souls brought him to Jesus, begging Jesus urgently, do something for this man. Lay your hand. And some commentators say, just lay your hand to bless him. But Jesus did more than blessing him. Jesus embraced him personally. And we see that verse 33, Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself. By himself, by taking him aside from the crowd, that speaks of his love for him. He see him not as somebody to shun, not as a problem, you see him as a precious soul made in the image of God. 
Do we see souls like that? Each one of us are made in the image of God. Even in the darkest pagan place, the darkest of the most darkest pagan place, like Malaysia, they are made in the image of God. So Christ extend his personal embrace, his personal, took him aside, get his attention. He's not simply another face in the multitude. Christ has his personal attention on this man. And this embrace of Christ is not only personal, but it's also compassionate. Compassionate. There's no discrimination, right? The Jews will discriminate. Or even their own people will discriminate because he has some physical disability. Christ. Christ does not discriminate. Christ showed no pretension. It was genuine. There's no insincere like PR skill like a politician or celebrity putting up a PR show. Christ did not do any of this. This is just genuine consistency with the very nature of Christ. Even in Romans 12, talks about let love be without hypocrisy. You see that in Christ. This embrace is genuine. There's no hypocrisy. There's no PR show. There's no pretension. It is real. God reaching out to this outcast. It's so easy for us, even at church, right? We can, yeah, we can put up a good front. That's why you have the exhortation, Romans 12, 9, let love be without hypocrisy. And that's so critical for the glory of Christ. And he's demonstrated that right here. Personal, compassionate, genuine embrace. And that got the poor man's attention. You will see this leads to the second E, which is engage. So Christ embraces him, and next thing, he engages him. He engages him in sign language. You know, we call that sign language, but Christ, you know, at that time, there was no sign language. It's just Christ in all his wisdom, love, and care begins to engage in sign language. Let's look at how Christ engaged this man. So Christ took him aside by himself. The first sign, put his fingers into his ears. What is Christ doing here? Put his fingers into his ears. 
You don't need to go to sign language school to understand this, right? Christ is communicating to him. I'm going to do something with your ears. Second sign. It's kind of unusual. <laughs> Have you seen anybody did this? After spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. Gross. <laughs> no, it's, it has some symbolic significance at that time. Even pagans, they understand this. Right, you apply some ointment, you apply some palm on the sick, symbolic gesture. In pagan world, they even believe in some magical power, especially in the idolatrous environment. Believe some supernatural power will come through uh, the applying of some element onto the sick their gods will perform some healing. But of course, they have never seen anything that really heal. So it's common applying spitter or other elements onto the sick to show the power to heal but of course in the pagan world there's no genuine healing power they've never seen real power of God restoring the sick and this one is hard it's impossible and he's at the age of giving up all hopes because he has tried many things and he he has not experienced any healing. That's why they're imploring Christ, begging Christ to lay his hand on him, hoping that this time something will happen. And sure, something happened. Something happened. Christ engages man in sign language and we, you see that this engagement it's heart to heart. It's deep, right? Because there's no verbal communication here except heart to heart. Through this sign, through eye contact, Christ entered his world. Well, I read about you know, Helen Keller. Anybody know Helen Keller, right? Born, I mean, like 19 months in his... Uh, young age, 19 months old, lost her eyesight and her hearing. And uh, he described his world at that time is like living in the sea with dense fog. It's like this, this world is depressing. There's no way out. You are stuck. And, and you see people passing by and some kind soul trying to help, but 
can never reach what is going on in my miserable existence. But Christ entered his world. And you see him trekking with Christ. He is following Christ. The engagement is deep. The engagement is also very God-centered. It's God-centered. You see the, the one more sign. After communicating to him, he's going to do something to his ears. He's going to do something to his tongue. Christ, verse 34, looking up to heaven with a deep sigh. It's God-centered, looking up to heaven. The man understood that what Christ is going to do is going to come from above. And that's the mission of Christ while he was on earth, right? The way, the truth, the life. He's the way. No one can go to the Father but by Him. He is on earth pointing people to God. Right? The Gospel of John, you read about Christ. His mission here is to show people God, the invisible God. He made visible. It's God-centered engagement, looking up to heaven, pointing Him what I'm going to do is going to come from above, from God, from God. And it's not only God-centered, it is also empathetic, empathy, with a deep sigh. It's like Christ come to the end of his preparation for his one final act, Christ involuntarily sighed. What is that? Empathy. Empathy. What is empathy? It's more than sympathy. Right? We can show sympathy. Just show some kinds of understanding of the suffering of others. But this is beyond some understanding, trying to be sympathetic. This is not trying to be sympathetic. This is real empathy. Christ has lived in his shoes. Because this sigh is not like, you know, that you just generate this sigh. This is coming from deep within, a deep sigh. And it's, and it's because he lived his life, Christ is omniscient. He was with him in all his misery, in all his suffering. Christ was there. And you see his empathy, right? He was with him in all the dark moments of his life where he felt so stuck even the most sinful moment of his life could be he was cursing his own existence, or cursing any creator who brought his painful life into this world. 
Christ was empathetic. This engagement was empathetic. And you see the whole time, even though this man didn't say a word, of course, yeah, he was mute or spoke with difficulty. But you see his silence. It's a trusting silence, right? It's a yielding silence. He was tracking with Christ. He was following him from one sign language to another one, non-resistant. He could have, he could have just walked away, just like any other disappointing experience that he has tried before and say, I have enough. Keep it to yourself and turn his face, go the opposite direction. He did not, he did not. So you see his trust right here. And you can imagine uh, his countenance at this point. It's like, do it. Do it. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. So Christ, in his embrace, in his engagement, has led this man to the climax of his acts, which is the last E. Embrace, engage, execute. That's the last E. Christ, execute the healing with a word. There's one word. And you see that word? He said to him, verse 34, Ephata. One word, and it's in the Aramaic, it's in the imperative, it's a command. And Mark translated this word for us, meaning, be open is one word in the original. Be open in the imperative is a command. So Christ execute the healing with a word is a powerful execution of healing. No man, no angel, no prophet can do what Christ did right here. Christ is God by the authority of his word. One word, the man was instantaneously healed. Instantaneously healed. He has absolute power over all diseases, all physical disabilities. He has the power to restore by his word. Just like Psalm 35, I'm sorry, Psalm yeah, Psalm 35, I believe, by the word of his mouth, the heavens were created. Right? Points back to Genesis. When God says, let there be light, there was light by the word of his mouth. And it's powerful. And Christ demonstrated his power right here. Only Christ the incarnate Son of God, the very God Himself, 
Hebrews chapter 1, Christ upholds the entire universe by what? By the word of his power. By the word of his power. And it's demonstrated right here. And the man was healed at once, on the spot. And you read the text. His ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was removed and he began speaking plainly. Amazing. This man spoke clearly, plainly, correctly. That's the idea. The moments before, he was like silent, struggling in his imprisonment of the soul, stuck. Now, he speaks plainly. The words that come out of his mouth, at this point, you can imagine, and the crowd, they are listening. The first words, most likely, or probably just, thank you, Jesus, for opening my mouth and my ears, thanking his friends, or kind souls who brought him to Jesus. This is amazing. That's why you read the response of the crowd right there. Christ gave order not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. They were utterly astonished, saying, He has done all things well. The response of the crowd, see, after this wonderful act of Jesus Christ, the response is a response of praise. They couldn't stop this amazing display of Christ's power, His person, His love, His compassion, and His divinity. They couldn't help it but praise Him. Praise Him. Utterly astonished. I don't know about your translation. Utterly. Right? It's beyond all measure. Utterly or super. Astonished. Super astonished. Astonished. Amazement. Being amazed. It blows their mind. They've never seen anything like that. And it's not only the divine act, because Christ has done all things, the whole process, the embrace, the engagement, the execution, is astonishing. And that's why it comes out of their mouth. He has, he has done all things well. The word well can be also translated good. He has done all things good, excellent. And it recalls Genesis, after God created the whole universe, the whole world, you and me. Genesis, in uh, chapter 1, that talks about God, after 
He has created all things. And he said, it's very good. That's the idea. Same, same idea. The Septuagint use the same Greek word. Christ has done everything good. Good. Recalls creation. That's God. This is Christ. And not only looking back, it's also point forward because in Isaiah, Isaiah 35, there's a text, verse 5, verse 6, talks about uh, the coming reign of the Messiah. When Christ came to reign on the earth, this will happen. Diseases, disabilities will disappear from his presence. The mute will speak. The deaf will hear. So points forward to the future reign of Christ, the fulfillment of this messianic reign. So he looks back and he's also point forward that Christ is indeed the excellent Savior. So Mark, giving this account that you won't find in all the other gospels, Mark recorded this. Of course, he's writing to Gentiles. They need to hear this. It's coming from Gentiles' mouth that this is the excellent Savior. And of course, he prepared their hearts because later on, Christ will accomplish the most amazing work on the cross. He's preparing them for the most amazing work where Christ on the cross, when he cried, it is finished. Where you will see the work of Jesus Christ excellently accomplished. It is well done. The Father have said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He has done all things well. And on the cross, they will see the climax of the, everything that He has come for is accomplished right there. Salvation, bearing the sin of, a peop, of His people on the cross. That excellent work. Do you trust Christ? Do you yield to him like this man? This is the point of the passage. Trust him. Trust him who does all things well. There's nobody who does all things well all the time. Christ alone. So trust him. You will be a fool. That's like the, 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 the message. You will be a fool if you don't trust this Christ who does all things well. You will be a fool for the Gentiles to trust idols. They do nothing good. They're man-made. You'll be a fool to trust yourself because like this man, we trust ourselves, we will just find ourselves stuck 
hopelessly stuck. No matter what situation that you are stuck with, you can look to Jesus Christ who does all things well. Always, always, all the time. Because He is the great Savior. Come, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you just like those that we have read. You do all things well, all the time. And Lord, I pray that that the trust of your people will be strengthened today. That we will see it is in dark time, dark moment, your excellency shine forth, just like what we have read. You went to the darkest place to shine forth your excellencies. And Lord, we pray that you will also open the eyes of those who do not trust you, even right now, that eyes will be open. And for the first time, there will be genuine trust. Calling out to Jesus, you are my Savior. And I trust you with my life. It belongs to you. You are the one who do all things well. And we praise you. We glorify in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.